0: Welcome in to the DMVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings. Use that code DNVR to get all the hookups from the homies at DraftKings Sportsbook. Already 2023 draft lines up on the King of Sportsbooks because fellas, we are in a post 2022 draft. This draft that has consumed so much of our lives is uh is in the books and now we get we get to consume it, regurgitate it, digest it and give you all our thoughts, all the lessons learned, a year wiser and a year uh of historic ramifications not since 97 had a quarterback been drafted solo. My guys would all be first overall picks, however, because Full draft crew to recap that 22 class with me, Justin Michael is here, Henry Chisholm, Jake Schwanitz, how is everyone feeling, especially my man, J. J Mike, how are you doing, J. Mike? I want to hear from you. A little, a little Mountain West pride these days, less, uh, less, less divisions, huh? Do we have a clear path here to the next Cincinnati out of the West? How are you doing, brother?
1: Hopefully. I mean, it it sounds like there's going to be a waiver that passes this month that allows conferences to eliminate divisions and still hold a conference championship game. If you're the Mountain West, there's really no logical reason to keep divisions at that point. You might as well every year try and, you know, drum up the the most competitive schedule that you can for the teams that are anticipated to be contenders. And obviously, there's always going to be people that surprise like Utah State this past season who you know they were picked dead last and then they won the league that happens they're kind of an anomaly it might happen more in the transfer portal era i'll say just because there's so much roster turnover and it's harder to predict teams like can you really project what csu is going to do next year but anyways that's a whole side tangent anyways uh, I, I think it's it's going to be exciting i wish they could do it this season i get why they're not just because they already have the schedules in place and it would be a big headache to reshuffle it but honestly i, I feel like if the mountain west had you know, bigger balls, they would just do it and, and go bold, especially if this wafer passes. You still have plenty of time to change it up, but I'm pumped. Go mountain west.
2: I'm glad this came up because I had no idea what the bus podcast was going to be about today. Because what is there to talk about? Um, the answer is that. Should the Pac-Twelve get rid of division? So this has already been a productive podcast for me.
1: Why wouldn't nope. they? If you're not the SEC, if you're not the big 10, like At this point, you might as well do anything that you can to get the most interest, and you know, get the most intrigue in your leak. But I cut off Jake, so I'll I'll let him get his thoughts on this out. I'm just, I'm really into this. If you can't tell, I wrote like 1,300 words on it yesterday. Probably could have been like an 800 word article in hindsight, but I, I stand by every one of those words. So.
3: I just want to say that's going on you have the whole jordan addison situation the college transfer portal is just a mess i mean all while the draft is going on this was literally happening like while the draft is going on trades are flying around guys are being picked it's just madness right now
0: yeah it sure is and um talking about that draft with i mean we really are in one of the great times of flux in college football uh, I love that Justin ranting on the Mount West lack of divisions led us to that, but it's so true. Uh, Jake, since you spoke last, what stood out to you most? What were your kind of gut immediate reactions and biggest surprises from uh, this these three days of the draft?
3: I mean, the draft itself was always exciting, right? Always a great time, just madness with trades and everything. But man, this wide receiver market, Uh, throughout the draft and actually in the league is just going insane. Um, We saw what six guys in the first round. We saw four before pick uh, 18, just absolutely insane. You have AJ Brown being traded in the middle of it all. Uh, Debo Samuel didn't get traded. Hollywood Brown gets traded. Uh, Christian Kirk's contract with the Jags is completely tore everything up, man. It's just mayhem
0: now. Everyone is talking about Christian Kirk basically ruining the NFL forever. Um, I exaggerate, but not too much, frankly. Hank, you're the one who's been doing this pod the longest for us. To some extent, I think we can give ourselves a pat on the back and be like, we've been kind of calling the NFL just becoming college football in the Big 12 and going four wide for years. And this is just like part of that is when you need three wide receiver starters, four semi-starters, this was bound to happen. And yet, at the same time, people like us and even Peter King in his pre-draft column talked about, uh, you know, sooner or later, we thought that the bubble was kind of going to burst on this wide receiver market. And there's so many, you wouldn't have to use premium picks or premium contracts on them because they're just being churned out. Uh, Not really happened.
2: Yeah. Well, you pointed it out to me after the draft. When I said, like, why are why are they giving out these big contracts? They're so replaceable. There's always so many replacements. like, well, it costs a first-round pick just to go get one. It's like, ah, I guess that is a pretty hefty price to pay to get one of these guys because there is a drop-off once you get to the second round. You know, you still find those Michael Pittmans there. Um, you know, Visca could still pan out. KJ is exciting but hasn't been there. But while there is this very clear-cut group of guys who you can just draft and, and take and you're going to be fine, It does drop off pretty quickly. And I think that's where the value is, is like, there's, I think there's a separation between the guys who are just really, really, really good, whether it's in the draft or in the NFL too, you know, AJ Brown's one of those guys. It looks like Marquise Brown might be one of those guys. And then there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of receivers that are separated by a pretty narrow margin after that top 50 or whatever it is Um, crazy. We're talking about going to big 12 ball because the big 12 is irrelevant. Even before they lose Texas and Oklahoma, like there, there wasn't a first rounder from the Big 12 in this draft. It's just wild that they are right there when everything seems to be trending in a direction that would help them.
3: Zero draft picks for the Texas Longhorns this year. Zero. Lots. Lots. The Big 12 is cooked. They're done. Well, maybe not completely because one of the new members, Cincinnati, Had more players drafted than Bama, Michigan, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. How insane is that?
2: That is insane. but yeah, I mean, mean, this Cincinnati's going to be carrying the water for them
0: in in a year where something like fifteen different Texas high schools, J. Mike had uh, guys drafted. So the Big Twelve should be like eaten right now, and yet this is going on. That's a nice little side story, but. Justin, staying on the wide receivers, you were one of those guys who was talking about this bubble kind of bursting. And it does feel like similar to the quarterbacks, um, you know, the NFL very much in the eye of the beholder who the true number ones are that are worthy of number one picks that are worthy of number one contracts and who quite isn't. And you all wonder how much of this is an overreaction to Devontae Adams and Kirk resetting the market or just the last year being a historic wide receiver class. Right, like Jamar Chase, uh, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle were just special, that unique, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to forecast that being the case with these guys. I think everybody's really high on them and, and you hope that, but just the production that all three of the guys that you just listed put up as, as rookies was pretty insane, especially given the circumstances with some of those guys and the offenses that they were in, the quarterbacks that they were playing with, but I mean, a lot of these, these guys are just, they're coming into the league so pro ready. I mean, what they're doing in college, the, the athleticism that they have, it it translates. And I think that's why teams are, are willing, willing to invest high in them, even though ultimately it's costing these teams insane amounts of money to keep them. And I guess we got to commend George Payton again for locking down Sutton and Patrick on pretty team friendly deals in an offseason that's been insane with wide receivers. Cause on the open market, both those guys probably could have got. I don't know, way more than they got. I, I, I was going to say double, but that seems probably a little bit, a little bit dramatic. Um, I don't know. I, I loved all these receivers though. So I'm not surprised that a lot of them went high. Henry's been super stoked on, on Drake London. He was wide receiver one, the Ohio State guys. Uh, we, I think we had Jahan Dotson slipping to the second round potentially in Armock and sure. he went 15. So I guess we were wrong on that one, but I don't know. I think a lot of these guys are going to be awesome. What, what are your guys' thoughts on Tennessee? And and choosing to move on from AJ Brown, they bring in Traylon Burks, who's you know very similar, but th- that's big shoes to fill.
2: I feel like f- it, it makes sense. I mean, obviously, like it's honestly just a one-to-one replacement. Like Traylon Burks is AJ Brown. The only difference is that there's like uh, some bust potential because you haven't seen him actually play. And so, if you're willing to like cut whatever fifteen million dollars a year off the price tag in exchange for a chance that he busts. Like I'm not totally in tune with the Titans cap situation, but it seems like it's a decent deal for me. Although there is risk there and it's a team that seems to be lacking direction. And just looking at that roster, it seems like you'd be willing to pay AJ Brown when you don't have like a, a good quarterback. Um, just, um, I, I don't mind it for either team, I guess is my answer, but uh, the, the, this is one of those trades where somebody could look bad, right? Like, Either pans out or he doesn't, and you're either going to look like a genius or an idiot because it is so just one to one what what you're doing there.
3: I mean, I got to give I feel pretty good about it for with the Titans first off, just because you picked AJ Brown 51st overall in 2019, uh, three years go by, you turned that guy at 51 into the number 18 overall pick. Um, so that's good, you know, value that you're getting back for the player. In regards to who you drafted, though, Traylon Burks, I mean, he's, I think he's more raw than AJ Brown was coming out, even though he was drafted lower. Um, yeah. You're going to have to manufacture some touches with Burks, I think. I don't think you just plug him in the slot and just send him screaming across the middle, and he's taking the ball 80 yards to the house time to time. AJ um, Brown's a Brown just special that way. And I don't think Traylon Burks necessarily has that. It's going to be a lot more screens, reverses. Right. Um, I don't want to say gimmicky, but it kind of will be uh, as opposed to AJ Brown, who's like an alpha dog wide receiver in this league.
0: Yeah. He's almost more Debo esque to me. Um, And that was another thing that I wonder how much that colors this whole wide receiver eval, like Debo and Corderell and even Antonio Gibson, who was kind of converted wide receiver, a hybrid coming out is like, we feel better drafting these wide receivers high because we're just drafting high end athletes and we feel like we've got a backup plan um as being that wide back right that kind of uh, receiver running back hybrid or even being that returner factor in in the return game but you know that can be a that can be tricky because we like I remember when I started this everyone's drafting the next Percy Harvin and, and like no one's found the next Percy Harvin yet you know like those gimmicky players just aren't found and they're hard to utilize and on the on the titans i mean man they're just hamstrung cap wise because 38 mil on the cap to Tannehill, 50 sub plus in dead cap right now so they had no other options that's why the malik pick malik willis and the third makes a ton of sense to kind of have some sort of out and you've also i mean you're pairing their De- 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 henry's a cap hit of over 15 so that alone your backfield's costing you tons of money and now you can't pay your 24-year-old wide receiver once guys like Christian Kirk and Devontae Adams reset the market. Um, we, I will allow you guys to talk wide receivers at nauseum, and it's not necessarily an immediate reaction because this is Friday, so I like that we've had a, a week to marinate on these, but I am, the more I think about it, surprised by corners going three and four. For starters, you don't always see cornerbacks in the top five. We've talked about that before. But, you know, this is a Lovey Smith team picking a corner third overall. Um, So, I mean, Tampa two, cover two, like we, we don't draft corners top five. We don't draft corners in the first round. These are cover two corners. The whole point of our scheme is we don't need to invest premium resources on the cornerback position. Uh, nope, not, not in 2022, Robert saw fourth overall. It's supposed to be that Seattle cover three. Guess what we're doing? We're drafting a corner top five. That's not how the Legion of boom was built. That's not how that defense is built. It's a theme we'll talk about throughout the Broncos schemes are really changing. This has become a cover two, two high league. You got to start from that. You can't get out of that right now, but at the same time, what these teams are telling us Even an old head like Lovey is we need a shutdown guy so that even if we're going to play quarters, cover two, you know, however you want to do it, I can still take one guy to take away one wide receiver. And then I can allot those other three fourths of my coverages, how I want to, how I want to bracket, how I want to double here and figure that out because just a straight up cover two, a straight up course is going to work. I still need my covered dogs when every single wide receiver in the league right now is a first rounder, is making 20 mil a year. I mean, these are studs. These are superstars across the board. The third, fourth wide receivers on some rosters are Jerry, Judy, and KJ Hamlin. Like, time to buck up. Like, you better be ready to play on an island because you're playing against superstars every single snap. Um, so that was definitely something that stood out to me um, and just the way a way I got to adjust how I'm looking at the league. Mm -hmm.
1: I kind of loved it. Like, I mean, like you said, these wide receivers are freak athletes. When you have people like Drake London and Jamison Williams coming into the league, like you need some talent. And obviously for all those his flaws, like Stingley has a, a potentially a really high ceiling. So he, I get it. But, uh, Sauce Gardner at four might actually be one of my favorite picks of the entire draft. I know we'll talk about that later, but I just think he's so good. Like the fact that the Jets were able to land him that another corner went and it wasn't him is is such a win for that. And they had a good draft in general, both New York teams. Um, Anyways, Jake, go ahead. You were about to move us on.
3: Yeah, just uh, going back to trades, though, I mean, we didn't even mention the Jamison Williams trade. We didn't mention the Chris Olave trade. Uh, Hollywood Brown got traded from the Ravens to the Cardinals. And then you also have teams like Kansas City trading up to go get Trent McDuffie. Uh, You had Buffalo, I think, trading up to go get Kair Elam, too, um, in that trade from the Ravens. That The Ravens got the pick from uh, Arizona, I believe. So it's just uh, a lot of perimeters. I think it was seven corners or safeties, um, and then six wide receivers. And then right. you look at the top of the draft; you have the the three edge guys go right away. Um, you had Jermaine Johnson later, so four edge guys, and then Andre, you with the hell of a call on the offensive lineman. What did we ended up at? Like eight or nine offensive linemen, and the over under you had was six that was and a wild. half.
0: Yeah, that was wild. I mean, but you're right. Top twelve picks; they're all. Offensive tackles, corners edges or wide receivers, and then you see all those trades. This felt as like modern and draft twittery analytics-y a draft as we've seen in a long time and big time that Jameson Williams trade to me defined the first round. Um, fleece first off i yeah fleece at Detroit fleeces Minnesota who clearly was so bummed losing on the corners and was like, screw it, we're trading down. We're just going to take scene and booth, which, like, whatever. Is that what you wanted to do? It's it's not terrible. Um, But they give up an extra second round. I don't understand why the Chiefs didn't do that, why the Packers didn't do that, with better capital to move up. Mm -hmm. Um, Hank, you've more reacted to what we've said. Were there any immediate reactions, biggest surprises to you that stood out to round one before we – uh, move on into some Broncos talks, a big class to break down.
2: Um, I mean the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks, of course, was still the biggest thing. We haven't spent much time on that, but mm-hmm. one quarterback in the first two rounds is insane. Like, I feel yep. like this podcast has been as low on these quarterbacks as anybody. And first of all, I'm proud of everybody for holding strong. We knew after the season that they were bad. We We didn't get sucked into the hype. We didn't get sucked into all that stuff. And now here we are. We were right. But it is still crazy because that is the other piece when you talk about like, oh, the analytics stuff. Analytics says that you need a cheap quarterback, and nobody seemed tempted to take a cheap quarterback with any of these picks. It does get me back. This is a little bit off topic. but why why do we have these slotted contracts? like it it, it it's literally ruining the game, I think. I think you go back to what was happening, like right before von Miller when they made the switch if if you were still forced to pay market value for your draft picks this whole like you need a quarterback on his rookie contract thing that's dead like and that to me is the worst part of football right now is that you're if you have a veteran quarterback you're at this crazy disadvantage it's not the way it should be um that's a little bit off topic from where we are here but i really do think like yeah these these top picks should be getting big contracts because why the why the hell not
1: the NFL PA will fight it, man, because when you've got six-year guys making less than somebody who's never stepped on that, I mean, I think it was Sam Bradford, really, that kind of broke the back when he got $83 million or whatever the fuck yeah. he got way back when, and you know, you had all these quarterbacks who are like, I've been to a Super Bowl, and I'm making half of what he's making, mm-hmm. so you'd have big, you know, I think you'd have big pushback from the NFL P- PA there, but I, I get it, oh, totally. I get what you're saying. Um, I will say we were, we, we didn't like these quarterbacks. We were very open about that, but even we thought some of them would get drafted. I mean, like, you know, we still Mm -hmm. took two or three, I think in the, in the mock and the fact that only one went in in Mm -hmm. the first two rounds. I don't know if we'll, we'll see a draft like this anytime soon, especially with, right. Just all of the offenses favoring passing, you would just assume that, like, there's going to be a couple guys coming out from the college ranks that are going to kill it. And obviously, next year, there's going to be a surplus. But I don't know. It was just, it was really weird. Well, and
0: there's no linear thinking if, like, oh, the top 12 picks, like, all these GMs are really maximizing premium positions, except for only one quarterback winning the first 60. Like, what? That makes no sense. That's the one where you'd you'd want to roll the dice, and that could be the biggest outlier in making you take that next jump. um The other thing about Hank's side caveat on uh, rookie contracts is the n i l is really making it to where um kids leaving school in some cases will be leaving money on the table for that rookie contract you know um so it, it is going to become, uh, and then on the quarterbacks, the biggest thing to me that stands out is how breakout years matter. Like, if Sam Howell had his sophomore season as his junior year, and his junior year was a sophomore season, it was just like linear improvement, like Kenny Pickett had for, for example. There's no doubt in my mind that guy's a first rounder. Instead, Billy Zappas could be for him. Like,
3: oh my God. Day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sam Howell going first pick of the fifth round, eight picks after Bailey Zappi had me losing my mind. What are yeah. we doing guys? It makes you, what, think, but what are we doing?
2: Then, then you think about it though. And it's like, yeah, I still don't like it, but Bailey Zappi, I mean, first of all, crazy on the wonderlet comes from an offense where he makes a bunch of reads. Like it sure. It's kind of like Mac Jonesy and he's undersized. And so he doesn't have all the traits, but I, I think the NFL looked at Sam Howell and said, you're a run-first quarterback. like like That's what you are in college. That's what you're going to be in the NFL, too. And, and I think that that must be what they were seeing there is that he just has to be this kind of gimmicky... I mean, Tyler Huntley-type range of draft pick, which, who knows? But yeah, it, it's wild that they fell that far.
0: I, I just feel like Sam Howe's progression from freshman to sophomore season, if he never plays his junior year there's no telling me he is like significantly worse than Zach Wilson was in those same exact seasons. Like no way.
1: He was good. He nothing years around that, him. Yeah. Like he yeah. when when he had Williams and, and Michael Carter in the backfield and, you know, some guys at wide receiver, he looked a lot better. He did. I think Hank spot on though, with the run first, I mean, assessment, he definitely, especially this past year, I think he had, more rushing yards than any QB in the country, but I don't know. It's, I like him. I like his game. I'm, I, I hope he, I hope, I hope all these quarterbacks kind of pan out that that had to be a brutal process. I know that's like a wimpy thing of me to say, like I I wouldn't want to invest in any of these guys. I think these teams made the right decision, but from a human standpoint, like Malik Willis having to sit there and just falling. God Damn. The other thing about Zach Wilson, though, is you you
2: have to remember those throws he was making, like all those deep balls, all the off platform stuff, all like the sidearm whippy things, yeah, like that. yeah. Arm, it was pretty insane.
1: He's a fun YouTube quarterback, that's for sure. Totally.
0: I mean, I, it's not like Sam Howell wasn't doing a lot of that stuff in an not offense, especially that early on. Yeah, kind of yeah. took the college football like landscape by storm, right? And he's bombing it to the Ami Brown. And like,
1: yeah, well,
3: the thing with Sam Howell, too, is even though he went after Bailey Zappi, Zappi Zappi's obviously gonna be a backup quarterback. Uh, he went to New England, Mac Jones is there. That's just case closed. Sam Howell went to Washington, though, where Carson Wentz is pretty much on his last leg as a starting NFL quarterback. Is he even gonna um, start? Uh, that see, might be we'll, hiding. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you got Hal waiting in the wings, man. I mean, he can kind of just sit back, um, you know, polish his game up a bit and he's going to get a shot. Uh, and, you know, if he gets a, a right matchup when he actually gets in the game too, you're going to see little Sam how running around, not little Sam how, but you'll see Sam how running around and making plays and everyone's going to wonder, Oh my God, how did this guy go? Fifth round, blah, blah, blah. It's going to happen.
0: I mean, for sure. Also, like everyone's kind of knocking him because he reminds him of Baker to me, I've said it a million times. The more the process went on, Pickett's the guy who reminded me of Baker
1: and he ended up in a very similar situation where, like, yeah, he's gonna be expected to elevate the offense, and he's not that guy like he's just he's not I mean, it's a cool story, you know, the pet guy going to the Steelers in the first round, but uh. We'll see. It, it wouldn't shock me if it was Trubisky out there this year, anyways. Even though they did draft him in the first round, just uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't want to talk myself into Trubisky could maybe maybe be a workable quarterback if they used his skill set there. But I'm at that point of the offseason, so I guess I'll I'll move on. I'm rooting for Carson Strong, by the way. I, I don't want him to take over for Jalen Hurts, another college QB I love. But I I was surprised he went undrafted. Like I. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he was going to go high. You have the medical concerns, but undrafted—I mm-hmm. don't know—that's
2: crazy. Mal- Malik to the yeah. Titans—that's going to yeah. be a fun one to watch. That's the one where I mm-hmm. where I think he could totally break out because, like yeah. Tannehill, with all these—I mean, you lose AJ Brown. Like, it's not a good group of weapons. Tannehill is not good himself. They want to move on. I wouldn't be surprised if Malik Willis steps up like halfway through the season. They wind up just running a bunch of RPOs and read options and stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's... uh, I mean, the fits that did unfold for the quarterbacks, aside from maybe Pickett, who feels very kind of vanilla, are all intriguing. Um, So, enough about that, though. Lots to get into, and obviously we'll have lots of episodes and uh, segment three to get into more stuff here but before we break down all the broncos again especially jake and justin's thoughts on it all lots of new props is that what we're talking about here
1: DraftKings sports sportsbook hank DraftKings what sportsbook. are we
2: talking about oh oh i get it i thought i was like no we're talking about the broncos after this um <laughs> wait, <laughs> <laughs> props what are you talking about uh if you're a better, well, actually, if you're not a better, you should be a better because you can sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, bet $5 on any mm. NBA playoff game, you'll get $150 in free bets if you pick the winner of that game. Uh, it's an awesome promotion. They've got all sorts of other stuff. The same game parlays. The uh, I mean, you just combine like who's going to make this many threes with the rebounds or whatever else, and then you get more mm-hmm. money if it all hits. Uh, it's awesome stuff, and right now all customers can get a get twenty five dollars back if one leg of their same game parlay doesn't hit. It's an awesome promotion. Uh, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR and bet five dollars on any NBA team to win their game. You'll get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. That's promo code DMVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, new customers-only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call
1: 1-800-522-4700. Nice recovery, Boom. my man. I could see yeah. confusion on your face, but you, <laughs> you you pulled it out in the crunch time, and, and that was admirable. Let's talk about this Pro Broncos stuff. class, though.
0: Pro stuff. Yeah, um... Jake, start us off. And then Justin, what what, favorite pick? Maybe um, did you think the Broncos took advantage of the board? We've talked about the cover two revolution. I think there's a three DBs here that have just plenty to talk about in that sense. Um, But Jake, your, your thoughts to start us off here.
3: Yeah, first off, really good value with Nick Benito, I think, just staying pat. Um, I don't. I think a lot of people thought he wouldn't be there at 64, so just a great pick in terms of value, fit uh, player. And then I really like the third-round pick, Greg Dolcich. I mean, the hope was Trey McBride would be the guy that would fall to the Broncos and he'd be the one that would solidify tight end position. But I really liked Greg Dolcich throughout the process, too. Um, I think besides from McBride, he was probably the most complete tight end uh, still a lot to work on, but in terms of being a receiver, he's going to have an uh, impact there. And then after that, um honestly, I got to thank George Payton for um, making me watch more film after the draft. Didn't see that one coming because uh, a lot of these guys just uh, weren't on the radar for me. Mm-hmm. Um, after the top two, uh, Ioma, Ioma Uwuzurike from Iowa State, I think was the guy who really stood out to me the most. Just a massive dude, uh, length You know, played in that weird kind of stack, 3 3 stack, Iowa State defense as the nose. Um, So he just was very intriguing for that regard. And uh, yeah, just a lot of cool stuff throughout Montreal, Washington. We got a kick returner now. Um, So yeah, I'll throw it over to Justin.
1: Yeah, I would say Montreal, Washington was the most exciting player to me just because I didn't know who he was. And then you look him up and you see the, the insane highlights and obviously there, there's some concerns about, you know, kind of how that will translate and, you know, exactly what role he'll fill. But I think as it, other than punt returner and kick returner, I'm not sure he's going to be on the field, but that's all right. If he's really, really good at those two things, I'd, I'd be all right with it. I love Nick Benito. I think that's a great value pick. Like Jake said, uh, I do wonder if Trey would have fallen to like 60, if they would have considered up moving for him just because it did sound like a hack. It really did want to tighten, but uh, Dulcich, you that up landing with him. Both those picks are value. Like you said, cool. no problem with it. And I don't know. I'm not, I'm not underwhelmed by the draft class, but I'm not as excited as I was last year. That doesn't, I'm not egotistical enough to be like, this was a poor class just means I'm not as familiar with a lot of these guys and I've had a chance to go back and, and kind of learn about some of them, but I mean, I'm, I'm a weekend on a lot of these guys. So I'm, I'm excited to having some homework this summer, I guess, and, and really getting excited yeah. for the, you know, training camp and, and preseason and all that. Real hey, quick. I
0: haven't got you.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Jay.
3: Well, if you want to get fired up guys, turn on your favorite hype song, I the tiger, whatever, and throw on Montreal Washington versus Florida last year. Cause, yeah. oh my God, epic! Yeah, epic stuff.
2: Montreal, Washington was my least favorite of the picks. That and- what? Why is that. Yeah,
1: interesting. Yeah. It was, Party pooper. But explain it, yourself.
2: I mean, it's like I lived through Isaiah McKenzie. I lived through Carlos Henderson. I've lived through all no, these dude. I guys. had those same thoughts in the back of my head, and
1: I almost went into it. I almost went into it, but I'm trying to be excited. Look, it's a concern with guys of his size, but. He doesn't have a history of it based on what I've been able to gather so far because it was the first thing I Googled, but yeah. uh, we'll see. just feel like know. they
2: never pan out, at least not for the Broncos. And that's why it's like, like I was hyped about Kalief Raymond. I mean, I remember going back and watching Holy Cross highlights and being like, oh, this guy's going to be nasty. With all these little whatever returners, you got to go do it on the field for the Broncos before I have any sort of hype there. Um, Who that, do you like the, then? Uh, the Minnesota guy. That he is, he is a freak. Ioma Udo is a. I I don't freaking know. I was uh, the, the it Iowa State in.
0: kid, yeah. Or Iowa State, kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry.
2: Uh, he's he's insane.
0: Waziruke.
2: He's insane. I mean, nine sacks as a nose tackle last year. <laughs> what are we doing? Like, how had I never heard of that guy? And then you like see what he's doing. Like those quick feet. There's. It just seems like that was really late to get somebody who should be just a crazy stout run defender. And on top of that, has that sort of pass rushing upside. And then even like, you see the nine sacks and you're like, okay, did he like, did he just tear up Northern Iowa when they played? No, no multi-sack games, except for one against Texas. Like it's just every game he's finding a way to produce. Then you turn it on it's quick feet. He's so strong. He's playing the run game. I'm really hyped about him. And then that Henningsen guy from uh, Wisconsin, the the defensive lineman, uh, he he's another one where he's just so big, and and the way that he's able to push through and get into the backfield, like I'm not, I guess you don't see quite as much zone running in the AFC West as you do other places, but but he just blows that stuff up. I was a little disappointed to see the the numbers. Well, I think he had like three sacks, and then two and a half other tackles for loss. It seems like there's more there, but both of those defensive linemen. I think are going to be on the field. Like it's a totally different strategy than what we saw before. Like this isn't McTelvin, Ajim who like, Oh look, he's so what a freaky athlete. He's going to be so good in three years. Like I think both those guys can show up and be productive right away.
0: That's all of day three is like, they are very much a contender now Mm -hmm. and under Russell Wilson and thinking of Like in the bottom 53, like look at day three last year versus day three this year. And the difference is night and day you're, you're getting Caden Stearns a year, you know, a former Mm five-star who was best as a true freshman kind of fell off every year after that. These are all high floor guys last year, all high ceiling guys. What were you going to say, Jay?
3: Um, just something we talked about in the draft, you know, they just needed bodies along the defensive line and in the secondary and they drafted two corners and a safety. And then they drafted two defensive linemen. Um, you know, I saw a lot on Twitter about like, Oh, this draft doesn't matter. They're drafted for special teams in depth, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, these are kind of like some of the more important drafts, man. This is how you really round out the roster. Um, and if any of these guys hit any of them from after Dulcich, um, it's just massive return on investment and helps out the team tremendously at positions of need too. I mean, these are all things that the team needed. You get the kick returner. You didn't have one on the roster. Um, You get kind of a nickel guy. You get two corners, you get two defensive linemen. I mean, it's just really showing up the team.
2: Yeah. You you can't tell me that Ioma. It's a very need heavy. You can't tell me that Ioma Uazurike can't compete with Mike Purcell today. Like, like, I would not be surprised if he winds up ahead of him by day one of the season.
0: Right, you're finding competition for Mike Purcell versus a guy who maybe in four years could be Malik Jackson. Mm-hmm. Right, that that's where you are. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the two defensive linemen were maybe my least favorite picks of oh. day two. Um, I really like the um, Delarian Turner. Yell, uh, you know, we were talking about playing in a two high. I think there are a lot of ways in which he could replicate Kareem Jackson. He's kind of a reliable last line of defense. He can do some stuff um, covering in the slot, though you don't want him like close to the line of scrimmage. You want him a little further. Uh, Benito and DTY, though, I I wish I would have talked about this more on the three days of the draft. You know, Oklahoma had such a rough season starting off and yet they still were able to turn it around, win the big 12, right? Caleb Williams and everything. Well, they had some monumental um, performances from their defense towards the end of the year and big wins against Baylor um, and Oklahoma State. And Benito... And DTY were two of those leaders that stepped up in a major way, made a huge difference. DTY had some of his best games, huge interception against Baylor. You know, his biggest question is going to be the the true ability to cover one on one from that safety spot. You know, I mean, you're not going to match him up against Kelsey or Hardman or Skymore. He's just not going to be quite that guy. And then his size is going to be a limitation coming downhill, making tackles, playing closer to the line of scrimmage. This as, as a fifth DB as competition for Jamar Johnson, who I'm still very high on. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Yeah. Um,
1: I
2: think I, yeah, that competition for Jamar is exactly where I was going to go with that. It's the reason I don't love that pick more is just because it's like, what to me, what does he do? Like it seems like he's just a really solid player. I think everything he does kind of translates to the next level, but it does seem like he's just like a, to me, a replacement level player. Who it's like I I don't see the path to Pro Bowls for him. And maybe maybe that's just me missing something, yeah. or maybe that's like something on the mental side of the game. He he figures out where to be in every situation. Ball just finds him that kind of stuff. Um, because I guess there was some of that when you watch him. Like his interceptions, almost all of them. It's like there was a missed throw that just happened to go to him. It's like well, I mean stay over the top tip passes and overthrows like that's that's why you're there um but to me it does seem like if you need impact players if you're going to be winning games and he doesn't seem like he has that much use again don't hate the pick like he's gonna be a good special teamer good depth piece but uh, we'll wait and see if he actually provides plays that matter for the broncos
1: that kind of it goes back to Dere's argument, though, like the ceiling versus floor, right? Like these exactly. guys aren't necessarily mm-hmm. the flashiest, they aren't the sexiest picks, but they're depth pieces. They're guys that will probably serve very specific roles on what's expected to be a competitive team rather than, you know, drafting Caden Stearns last year, who, you know, you're hoping, you know, three, four years from now pans out to be a starting safety, but you know, it's probably going to take a long time. I don't know. It's kind of what I was trying to say at the beginning too. Like, I, I don't think these are bad picks. I just don't think these were guys that I was paying attention to, but that's because when you do a draft pod all year, you know, a lot of the talk is ceiling and, you know, who's going to be flashy right. and who's, you know, caught your attention in college football, mm-hmm. NFL scouts. They're looking at a, a lot more than that. So at this point, George Payton has earned my, uh, the benefit of the doubt. I'll, I'll say that I'll, I'll give him that. We'll see how it pans out. I'm glad you brought it up. The OU stuff though. Cause that's, I already have it uh, keyed up and, on my YouTube. I'm, I'm watching the the end of that OU season because I just got to focus on the defense more. Whenever I watched them, I was locked in on Benito and and Caleb Williams, obviously, offensively. But I, I think that pick has, has some potential to really pan out long-term.
0: It double up on Oklahoma, guys. Double up on Wisconsin, guys, which is intriguing. I feel like we're not talking about our guy, Greg Dulcich, enough, though. Yeah. Um, our thoughts on Dulcich, uh, Jake, and then honestly, I'd like a grade from all of you for the Benito pick and the Dulcich pick. I thought tremendous value on both. Um, but yeah, your, your thoughts on Dulcich, uh, Jake, before the rest of the crew chimes in.
3: Yeah, Dulcich, uh, really liked the pick. A guy that, you know, the really the standout game for me was the LSU game uh, where UCLA uh, welcomed in the Tigers had the big upset. Uh Greg Dulcich had like an 80 yard catch and run in that game, uh, really showed off his skill set to a tee there. Um, you know, it's just kind of a different tight end from what they have now, right? You have Albert O, who is more of a big bodied kind of seam stretcher. Uh, just put the ball up high, let him go get it. Whereas Greg Dulcich is kind of, you know, catch and run can actually kind of contribute as a route runner in the short game and stuff. Uh, he's just gonna help widen you out a bit, even if you go 12, 22 personnel. Uh, Greg Dulcich is a threat. You know, he's not just a guy that you got to cover underneath. Uh, He's a potential field stretcher in terms of just speed and just a big playability, honestly. Um, He's just got some big moments in him. It has to come around as a blocker. As a grade, I give it a solid B. I mean, not a perfect pick, but it's a pretty good pick. A guy that can really develop, possibly become a starter at some point. Benito? Benito... I'm gonna stick the same thing. B again. I mean, there's still there's still some little nitpicky, and I don't want to say nitpicky, I guess, but there's some legitimate kind of flaws right now in Nick Benito's game. So it's not a you're not getting a starter exactly, but for someone that can come in on third down and blitz and obvious pass rush situations, he's an exciting guy to
0: have. Justin, what would you give if those two picks those grades?
1: I'd give Benito a B plus. Again, I, I don't think he's necessarily perfect, but I think he was probably one of the best players on the board when they were picking. And from a value perspective, I'm not sure there was I'm not sure there's anyone else I would have wanted that much more. I mean, especially with some of the guys no. that went early in that that second round. You know, a lot of those guys that were fallen, I loved. But um yeah, I'd give it a B plus. I think he's got a lot of potential. Great athlete, obviously really bendy. I'm I'm excited about that. And then with Dulcich, um, yeah, it'd, it'd probably just a B. Um, I think he's got great potential as a route runner like you brought up. I don't want to call him soft because I think that's an insult, but I, I don't think that he embraces physicality yeah. in the same way, at least based on what I've seen. Mm-hmm. And that might be an unfair assessment just based on not enough you know sample size. So we'll kind of see there. But I, I'm worried about his potential as a blocker, both from his size and just, you know, it kind of doesn't really seem all that interest in it based on what I've seen. But he's also kind of clapped back on that in some of the interviews that I've seen. So I guess we shall see. I don't want to be a hater just because I wanted, you know, Trey McBride. Yeah. Okay.
0: I
2: love both of them. I mean, I think this is where the upside is, which isn't a surprise. It's your mm-hmm. first two picks. But I mean, Benito, I, he was my first pick, right? When we were drafting who the Broncos take. Like, yeah, I, I was, nailed it. yeah, I mean, I've been hyped about Benito Mm -hmm. um yeah I honestly want to push back on like the tweener thing too like he's 6'3 248 like that's not the smallest guy like what's missing is like the speed to power which but that's a different conversation size like I I think that he can figure that out and even if he doesn't he has plenty of of tools as a pass rusher and he's so slippery I think that he can make plays in the run but yeah I, I I love that pick that's a that's an a to me um yeah, easy A to me. And then uh, the Dulcich pick, probably a B plus, A minus, B plus. Probably he. Uh, I mean, you have a chance to get yourself like a game changing tight end. Like the way that he works downfield, what he did to Colorado the last couple times they played. Like it's, uh, I've been very frustrated with Zach because Zach keeps bringing up the forty time. It's like, but watch how fast he is just watch how fast he is when he runs on the field like the way he flies down the field he's he is a very well-rounded tight end i think and i think that he has the potential to be kind of like an identity piece for this offense like you need things to go oh. well but but three years from now, we're talking about, like, who who are the Broncos? In the same way that you talk about the Chiefs with, you know, Travis Kelsey, like, obviously, that's very high standards. But I think there's potential that you talk about the Broncos, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's a team with Jerry Judy and Dulcich and, and those guys. Like, that that is a, a very high-ceiling pick to me. I think that he's going to contribute quite a bit early on. And, I mean, the reason he I don't give him some sort of A is just because like i think like demarvin Leal was on the board i think that there was probably a better value there uh, i think that fair i i think that he, he might not been the, the the top player but i do really like the pick and again like it fits fits a need uh, uh, the the biggest need on your offense yeah that's on I mean, the
1: blocking
0: i'm not
2: i i'm not too worried about I, it just seems like it's so rare that there's a tight end who comes out where you're like oh look he's such a good blocker you know, like there's a couple every year, but then they're always like 270 pounds or 260 pounds. And not get like, and that, that's just something that takes some time to, to build on. And, and, and I don't know, like, I guess Noah Fant never figured it out and Albert O hasn't figured it out. So maybe that should give me some doubt, but it, you got, you got to be able to at least get to passable. Like, it doesn't seem like it should be that
0: hard. TJ Harkins least... don't grow on trees. Yeah, yeah. Well, and when Fun. they do, they're guys who are just blockers, typically, right?
2: TJ Hawkinson
0: worse forty time than Dulcich.
2: Good point.
0: Yeah, um, that, the Dulcich pick—it's true. Like even some of the top O linemen go right before him. You know, even Travis Jones, um, but you know, Raymond Lucas, like it did. But he was my second best tight end. I love his receiving skills. He's such opposite from Noah Fant. Mm -hmm. Um, because while Noah Fant ran a 4-5 flat, even when you watched him at Iowa, there was some stiffness and just like linear balance, Mm -hmm. like contact balance that was kind of lacking and um, so it was like, oh, the numbers don't quite match the tape. Dulcich is the same way. The numbers don't quite match the tape because he's got a little more fluidity to him, a little more balance, bendiness how he gets it done. At least he's done it in line. He's not moving many people in line, but he's got decent size to do it. Where where he shows most promise as a blocker is in space, um, which again, that's probably saying a little more than Noah Fant. Um, He's probably overrating his burst and ability to get open off the line. That's honestly where I think he can work the best is separating from contact underneath. But, you know, 12 personnel, when you've got Albert O kind of taking guys up the scene, that'll open space underneath. The If the Broncos have four, three top wide receivers healthy, he'll find space off of that. And you've got a veteran quarterback buying you space and time, pre-snap with his mind, post-snap with his feet. So that'll be huge for Dulcich. I actually think he could be an immediate contributor. Benito to me is a slow. So that's that's a B, B plus. I'm with Hank on that. Benito, I think that's an A. Um, I think the positional value isn't really a concern if we were running a 4-3 and you could put him as a pure Sam linebacker because there... I feel great about his coverability. I mean, he's probably better in off-ball coverage than Josie Jewell. Like, he's already more competent than most of the Broncos linebacker options on the roster, not just edge, but um, uh, inside too. But then it's, do you put him as a pure edge? Or do you do a bit of 4-2-5 stuff with him and Browning? Who's coming? Who's staying? Who's dropping? And you play it that way. If he was a true Sam linebacker, the way Von Miller, Khalil Mack were, Anthony Barr coming into the league, I don't think the run's so much of a concern because then you've kind of got you're playing behind a defensive lineman. You're not the first line of defense on setting the edge, Uh, so that's where they got to figure it out, of course. And nickel's going to be the big concern because you know, even as a three-four outside linebacker, you probably have less of a concern on the run, but still more than as a pure Sam in a four-three. Um, but then yeah, in nickel with a four-man front, he's gotta be on the edge. And what happens when that defense audibles out of that pass play and now is running against you in nickel, right? That's the ultimate battle in modern football. And Benito's gonna have to figure out how he can survive in those situations. But to me, that's an A33rd on my board. Um, really high once I finally stacked it because he just wins. He he has a tremendous win rate. And at fairly low cheap prices, they found, you know, not one for one replacements, but at least not outlandish replacements, one for Vaughn and two for Noah Fant, which like, considering what premium assets those were for your roster before the trades, uh, you could have done a lot less. um,
2: But did feel like this. If uh if the Seahawks called and said we want to trade you Noah Fant for Greg Dulcich would what would you say
1: Yes the
0: contract factor
2: a lot okay. into that right Exactly like with the contract there's no way I would
1: Okay well yeah but I do we just talk like player for player right now Noah Fant I what mean I, I I think his complaints about not being used right in Denver That's are true. probably valid I'm not saying that he would have been this Know All pro tight end, but he does have the ability to really stretch the field and they kind of just had him doing a lot of lateral stuff and trying to break tackles and you don't want to talk about a player being soft. I would throw that out there with fans. So maybe I wouldn't make the trade, but he's at least proven. So, I mean, it's, it's the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't know, but.
3: The, the thing with Dulcich compared to Fant, though, is the expectations are so much lower on Dulcich just because he's a third-round pick as opposed to a top-20 overall pick. I mean, Dulcich... I mean, I even talked about that overall. with Trey
1: and it being a benefit, potentially, that he went 55 instead of, you know, 31 or even 40 just because, you know, he's going to a team that has a tight end, a bunch of other playmakers. He's not going to necessarily be expected to kill it, although he was their first draft pick, so there's still expectations there, but... Anyways, I interrupted you, but I like your point
3: there. Uh, No, you're fine. Um, One more thing I wanted to mention, too. uh, Looking at these numbers from Pro Football Focus, this is pass, rush, win rate. Nick Bonito's at number two at 29% over guys like Aiden Hutchinson, George Karloftis, Arnold Ebichetti, and Kayvon Thibodeau. In terms of stats that translate, pass, rush, win rate, pass, rush, win rate, is one of the most uh, translatable stats for edge vendors um, it's the, if you're able to get pressure on the quarterback, you're able to get pressure on the quarterback. and that's what Nick Benito does
2: totally. Yep. he's just so slippery. Like when you watch him, like you just cannot get hands on him. You cannot stop him. And mm-hmm. that feels like it's tougher to bet on than the traits that you can just like quantify a little bit easier. But there's, I, I think there's a good chance that transfers. And, and when people talk about him as a run defender, I think about Vaughn as a run defender, which, again, isn't fair. That's one of the best defenders ever. But just the way that he was able to sneak around the edge and all of a sudden he's around your ankles and bang, like you're down. Like they, if they run at Nick Benito, he can slip off a block and it turns into kind of a, a little bit more of a gamble than a true, like set the edge, bottle things up, let somebody come yep. make a play. Yep. But if he's actually this slippery, he's going to be just fine as a run defender too.
3: I got to say yeah. though, look, watching him at Oklahoma and the way he kind of times the snap and jumps to some of the snaps. I'm not comparing him, but I'm saying kind of reminds me of uh, my guy Vaughn at times. Kind of reminds
0: yes. me. He yes. gets up the field so fast. And the more I think about it, even with the contracts, I probably take Fant just because okay. the ceiling is higher and with Russ. Right. But and with Russ, you can stomach the fact like, eh, yeah, we only have one year of team control. Who cares if it makes our team, if it makes our offense 2% better, that could be the, the difference between a, a ring and like exiting in the divisional round. So in this kind of window, that, that, that 2% difference is enough to take um, the shorter term, right?
2: Yeah, so. I would. I, you're probably right. At the same time though, like, With the higher ceiling, it's like we have seen that as a receiver, he is fairly one-dimensional. Like, like there's if if Dulcich can actually stretch the field close to what Fant can do, the fact that he's more productive underneath and can break some tackles, that the ceiling might not be that different. But mostly because we've seen Fant play for a couple years.
1: Yes, you want a tight end that you can rely on. You want a brewery that you can rely on. There's nobody that's more reliable than Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer at DNVR. Beers on tap and regular seltzers being sold in the bar. They're a good company. Hard seltzers are fire, guys. The lemonade are some of my favorites. They recently released a hard soda seltzer line, which are absolutely fire as well. Root beer is my favorite. Uh, The ginger ale is pretty good. The cokes are great as well. Not huge on the orange cream. I want to be honest with you guys. it's it's I drink Uh-oh. them still. It's not one of those where it's like, I gotta get rid of it. but I'm not a big orange guy. So you know I, I love all the other ones. They are awesome, they're refreshing, only a hundred calories. Uh, they use stevia, I think, instead of real sugar. so they're sweet, but they don't make you feel awful. and they're just perfect for summer. If you're sitting back, Maybe you're going to a baseball game. Maybe you're grilling. Maybe you're hanging with the boys, watching the Avalanche just light up the Preds. Although last night, a little bit uh, a little bit butt clenching, for lack of a better well term. I hate playoff overtime. It is absolutely oh. dreadful. It is just so intense. But what is not intense is drinking with our friends. At Breckenridge Brewery, check out the Breck beer locator. Find the closest location near you selling Breck brews. You can hit up the Avalanche a Hot Peak IPA, Breck Seltzers, the Lemonades. They've got it all. They do not miss. Real quick, Much before we jump like into this
2: other stuff, can I hit uh, some of those stats on the corners?
0: You absolutely destroyed a beautiful transition. Yeah, let us know. Start with Fayon Hicks, who we haven't even talked about. But or the Max. corner from Wisconsin... Really intrigues me. And Mathis has all the uh, all the stat heads in, uh it, 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 big fans of Mathis. So yeah, lay it on us. We got three DBs. We want some DB advanced coverage
1: stats.
2: Okay. So the just broad pro football focus cover grade, um, which is probably like the worst step, but it is like all encompassing. Um, Five hundred and forty. No, we don't
0: want to know that. We don't. Oh, good.
2: Because they're both terrible. They're both terrible good. on the numbers there.
0: Oh, it's good. That. Give us a straight up coverage grades, yeah. Or coverage stats. That's what we know.
2: Okay. Um, also not great. Like but, uh, real adults. Hicks, 28 completions on 54 targets, a little under 15 yards per catch, three touchdowns, no interceptions, nine pass breakups. Gave up a 95 passer rating, uh, three penalties, six missed tackles, seven run stops. Um with Mathis. 33 completions on 66 targets, a little over 12 yards per reception, three touchdowns, two interceptions, four pass breakups, 72 passer rating allowed, nine penalties, I missed five tackles including two in the Big 12 championship game, 14 stops. Um, the, the, Wait, the, NASA's Yeah.
3: ACC. ACC,
2: ACC sorry. championship. Sorry. That makes sense. Those uh, two, two things. First of all, the, the rate that these two teams played man coverage was ridiculously low. They played man less than just about any other teams in the country. And both, both I think both players graded out slightly better in zone, which is what they primarily did, like 87% of the time or something. Um, the other thing is both of them had much, much, much better numbers their junior year than their senior year. So all that stuff, you can almost just cut in half with both of them but then some bad tape or bad numbers, at least this year.
0: And those were the corners. Yeah. Wisconsin and Pittsburgh. Okay. No. Great. No Oklahoma included in that. No boys. You look a year, a year wiser. This draft has served you well. What lessons are you taking from this 2022 class with you? Um, into 2023 Justin do you want to start us off and then you know uh take take a victory lap anything you felt like you were proven right about um after these three days of glory (laughs)
1: uh just trust our gut I mean obviously mocking is an imperfect process but I think you've just got to trust the research that you've done and you know kind of stick to your guns like Hank said we tried to kind of hold our ground on these quarterbacks, not being that spectacular. We still ended up, you know, taking them that just because that's the way drafts have worked. I mean, I don't think anybody thought these guys were going to go top five, but I think expecting two, maybe three quarterbacks in the first round probably would have been relatively on par with what most people were saying. Even like the, the mocks in the last week still had more than one quarterback going. So it was just interesting to see that play out. Um, we were spot on about you know the, the defensive ends, the edge, and the tackle talent and how it was going to get prioritized. I think we were kind of spot on with some of the wide receivers and, and their potential and, and kind of how NFL teams are going to salivate over that. Um, with, with the mock stuff, the thing that made me excited, we had Jordan Davis going number 13. That's where he went. It was Houston in our mock because we didn't do any trades, but Philly went up for him. I think they were probably trying to get Seamus and Williams are one of those receivers as well, but kind of ended up getting passed over by some of those teams. Um, anyways, just trust your gut. That's my big takeaway. You watch these guys a lot, you know, you will watch them for a year, sometimes a couple of years, depending on, you know, what the sample size is stick with it. Don't get a, uh, don't get swayed just because, you know, Todd McShay or Mel Kiper, or, you know, so-and-so says whatever.
0: Jake, what were your biggest takeaways from
3: this? Uh, I'm gonna go back to the receivers. I think um, just okay. how you can't have enough of them. It's almost like they become corners at this point, where you used to just stack bodies at corner and just hope yeah. that you could assume the best uh, <clears throat> secondary that way. That's kind of how it's going with receiver. I mean, if you don't have, if you have one receiver, you don't have enough. You need, you need at least two or uh-huh. three. Um, and you see a lot of these teams going up to do that. Uh, New Orleans going to get Olave. Um, you also have uh, uh, Washington going to get Dotson to pair with their kind of alpha yeah. or top tier receivers that they have. Um, so even if you have like, you know, a true stud, uh, you're, you don't really have enough at that point. Um, in terms of what we learned, though. Oh, man, um, I'm just going to take a cop out, I guess, just. What we learned is that when you have a dominant team like Georgia, just take one of those yeah. players. Just, I mean, it's just that easy. You know, I look at someone that's like Nikobe Green Bay.
1: Dean, apparently.
3: That's true. N'Kobe Dean had a quite dramatic fall. But like Green Bay, going Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt in the first round, that's about as good as a first round haul as anyone else. And they just took two stud defenders that played for one of the best college football defenses of all time.
0: God, they defined the college football season, and they defined this draft. It was kind of cool to watch, honestly. Um, Henry, you are looking so much wiser today. Sh- share that wisdom with us all. What have you learned? It's all about
2: positional value. Like, there's just uh, like, don't think about anything else. I mean, just look how the draft went: edge, edge, corner, corner, edge, tackle, tackle. Then a receiver, which maybe is a valuable position now. Who knows? Tackle, receiver, valuable, receiver, yep. receiver, defensive tackle, who can pass rush, and then you get to the safety, who's potentially the best player in this draft class at 14 with Kyle Hamilton. Just like yeah, there's only so much a safety can do. Like you, you get a pass rusher who can end games for you. You go get the guy who can end games, who can take you off the field. Yeah. Like it's uh, especially with the quarterbacks going. I feel like with with no quarterbacks going, it just simplifies things like purifies what's what's happening in front of you because it's not like oh do you try to get up for this how do you position yourself like this is just like in a football draft and the players are going from the positions that they should be going from
0: right except for quarterback that isn't super valued which was unique and all the content like when I eventually gave my grades and whose boards stacked the best team-wise, and we'll get into these as we give out our AFC and NFC it's the next couple episodes, um, teams like the Packers, Chiefs, Ravens really did a great job maximizing the board, but they didn't check off their biggest need, which mm-hmm. was replacing Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Marquise Brown. Um, and so they almost succeeded... In lieu of that, right, because they didn't go hard after need, they were able to get the better value that the board offered them. Um, And I think, like, that's the right way to go about it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a a perfect balance of you. And again, those teams I don't think got any better, but they raised their floors. Like, if drastic injuries were to happen... They raise their floors. But it is funny, like everyone going gaga over the Ravens draft. And it's like, I mean, they drafted a box safety, a center, and a nose tackle with <laughs> mm-hmm. four of you know, four of their top or three of their top four picks that you guys are all like, Oh my god, no one knows how to draft like these guys. <laughs> yeah, right. If you settle for centers and nose tackles and um Uh, safeties yeah totally i learned that maybe good offensive guards in 2022 are as valuable if not more than quality interior offensive linemen every year i'm i'm the dude that's like boy the defensive tackles really dropped huh that surprised me we always talk about interior pass rush is so important but then it never comes to fruition in the draft this is like four years that's happened it was weak classes in the past. Like we actually had some of the weakest defensive tackle classes in like 2021 that I could remember. This one was a little stronger, right? But Winfrey drops um, outside of the Georgia guys, no defensive tackles went really high. Travis Jones had late first buzz. He drops to the third. Um, And yet the interior O-linemen, went way higher than I expected. You know, probably the thing I was most right was Kenyon Green as the fourth offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Um, but read the quotes from the Texans. What I like about him is his versatility at tackle. They, The Texans GM's talking about him as an inside guy. He's probably better inside. That's their plan for him. Obviously, the Cole Strange pick. I don't think Tyler Smith is going to be able to stay at tackle. So Cowboys are drafting that guy high. Again, the draft geniuses that are... The Ravens took a small center that's kind of system limited and doesn't really have positional versatility. Um, I, you know, Again, we talked about the, the, the hot positions in the modern NFL. I've always thought growing up as a guy who watched the Shanahan offense for a gajillion years and Tommy Nalen's my center who was like a walk-on in college and undrafted, right? I always thought, well, should you, if your coach is smart, he can find those guys anywhere. Not so much. We're using premium assets, premium picks. And maybe that in man brush and playoffs, the narrative is true. We're just seeing it play out more in how we value interior offensive linemen than how we value interior defensive linemen. So that was a big takeaway for me.
3: I love that. Um, real quick to build on that. I was listening to Move the Sticks post-draft, uh, and they were talking about the Chargers pick at 17. and from what DJ gathered from talking to Tom Lesko, he said that they were just going to take the best offensive lineman, whether it was interior, a tackle, it could have been a center. They just wanted to get the best offensive lineman available and add him to the group and then kind of just figure it out from there. So to that point, yeah, it seems like good guards are, I don't want to say they're as valuable as good tackles now, but
0: they've closed the gap for sure. That's what people are saying. Like, If that's your thinking, that's what you're saying. To me, that's insane, though. Like insane. There's there's just no way to compare uh, the value of a tackle to the value of a top interior offensive lineman.
2: I, the the other piece, though, is that like what makes the tackle so valuable is that they they help more in the pass game while also helping yes. in the run game. But if if you're taking a Charles Cross, and it's like ah, he'll be all right as a run blocker, but he's it'll be really valuable as a pass blocker. A guard who's really good, or really valuable as a run blocker, but like, oh yeah, he's he's helpful as a pass blocker. Maybe that's what evens it out a little bit. It's mm. just that the ceiling's so low because like a, a pass blocking, the, the pass blocking that a guard does is like, yeah, sure, whatever.
0: Uh Justin, favorite picks of this draft?
1: Two minutes. To talk uh, about sauce Gardner at four, even though I know like I just I think he's just going to kill it. Like, I just feel so confident about that. Jordan Davis at 13, um, Devin Lloyd at 27 to Jacksonville. I love him in that defense, especially with the talent around him. I guess NFL GMs didn't value his speed as much as I did. I mean, you could say the same thing about Nakobe Dean. I would say watching college football last year, I'm not sure there were two players that popped on the field more than Nakobe Dean and Devin Lloyd, just in terms of like, man, was over there and then all now he's over there making plays. Like they were just so exciting. And I I just I thought Lloyd would would go earlier. At, you know I twenty twenty one, but he fell to twenty seven. And then I would say Jameson Williams. I think the Lions had a really nice draft class. You you take Aiden Hutchinson after Walker goes one and then you don't sit pat. You're aggressive, you move up and you get a playmaker for that offense. And I, I don't think Goff is going to be like their long term quarterback, but It probably raises the ceiling of the offense this year and definitely raises the ceiling of the offense, you know, moving forward. Cause I assume they're probably going to be in the mix for one of these awesome 2023 QBs.
0: Yeah. And I mean, Goff's proven he can stretch it deep. Like if he's first, second read, you know, he can get the job done. It's not for lack of arm that he'll get it done, it's kind of the more cerebral stuff. That gives him struggle. Let's get into some, um, close this out with our very early rookie of the year picks, offense, defense, Jake.
3: Oh man. Uh, For defense, I'm just going to go chalk. I'm going to go Aiden Hutchinson at Detroit. Um, Mm. Offensive rookie of the year. I'm going to go Kenny Pickett because he's a quarterback and he's probably going to have the biggest impact out of anyone.
2: Offense, I'll go. Brees Hall. They, I mean, going to the Jets, like they, what a great pick, first of all. Like, they just need an identity, they need something to do with that football when they have it. They can just hand it off to him every single time. And even if he runs for 4.1 yards per carry, that should be good enough for 1,200 yards this season. I think, I, I think that's a good bet. Then defensively, I don't know. Like, it'd be fun to go off the board and be like Drake Jackson with the 49ers. He's in such a good situation. But if you're not taking Hutchinson or Thibodeau and probably just Hutchinson, like, it's got to just be Hutchinson, I think.
1: Yeah. I'm going to um, go with Devin Lloyd. I'm going to go with the linebacker that can potentially rack yeah. up a bunch of tackles, gets them sacks, maybe gets a couple of interceptions, gets the highlight yeah. plays. I wanted to say Sauce Gardner. It's just so hard for a corner to win these type of awards unless he gets a bunch of picks. He- if he's as good as I think he is, nobody's going to throw at him, so you're not going to have the opportunity. Um, and it's also just hard. There's, I think, throwing pains for corners early. He's going to have the high moments and the low moments. Linebacker, I think he can just kind of step in, translate. And I like the system. Uh, offense, I'm going to go James Cook in Buffalo, who, again, I think is just a a wow. perfect fit. They needed a running back. I think he's gonna be really impactful as a pass catcher for them. I think I think he can be better than what we've seen as a running back between the tackles. Again, I don't think he's his brother, but I think he's on a team that has a ton of talent and he's gonna benefit from, you know, so much attention being on Stefan Diggs and, you know, everybody else that they have, Knox and and some of those guys.
0: Interesting. I actually think Lloyd I've been so torn on um Chad Muma might even have some like soft value, but it's that Jacksonville linebacker room. I don't trust that they'll know how to use them. Right. But if they do in a linebacker room that already has a superstar, like Josh Allen playing opposite him should lead to a ton of production. Um, So on defense, I'm more focused on guys who might have immediate contributions on contenders. So Devontae Wyatt, and then I could totally, Really see a Roger McCreary, Dax Hill having like a five interception season. Things kind of go their way, Antoine Winfield Jr. style. Um, And then being a dark horse for defensive uh, Rook of the Year. On offense, I cannot get away from Chris Olave or Seymour. And as much as I praise the Lions for moving up to get Jamison Williams, I wonder how much Packers and Chiefs didn't move on that guy specifically because they're contenders and they couldn't stomach waiting for him to start practicing with their hall of fame quarterbacks until like October. And then just being behind the clock, you know, um, in a year Good where point. you got to contend.
1: I'll throw one more out. Romeo dubs, green Bay, fourth round pick wide receiver, who I think is just going to eat with Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be a red zone threat. He's a deep threat. He stretches the field, a great Romeo? pass catcher. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mm-hmm. just got a text as you said that, so sorry I was distracted. Yes, Justin. Yes, yes, yes. Romeo and Amari Rogers. Are we still in on Amari Rogers? Can I can I oh, buy God. back in on Amari Rogers? Choo spot? choo. Okay. Hey, we're okay. still pumping yes, that train.
3: Yes, sir. Yes.
0: Yeah. Christian Watson, you're out. Romeo dubs Amari Rogers. You're in, baby. Let's go. You heard it here first. Please, Justin, continue.
1: Yeah, I just think he's a perfect fit. Like. I understand you know, the whole drama of the storyline is Green Bay has to go wide receiver early. They have two picks. They go defense back to back, and everybody's you know freaking out. I like the guys that they ended up with. I think they're going to be really good system fits. I think they're guys that fill needs that Green Bay has based on the loss of Devonte Adams. Who, let's face it, you kind of have to moneyball this. You can't replace Devonte Adams one for one. He's one of the top two wide receivers in the league. I think he's the number one wide receiver in the league. So you go out and you get some guys that can stretch the field. You get Dubs, who's a great, just raw pass catcher. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He doesn't have Adam's size. But if you watch him in those red zone matchups, he just, the DBs can't stay in front of him. He tends to like moss him just over and over again. I love him. I was shocked that he fell as far as he did. And and for him to end up in that system, it's going to benefit him. He's going to make a little bit less money in the short term, he's going to make a hell of a lot more money in the long term because he's going to kill it in that offense.
0: We have at least two more episodes to really get into the weeds and break down the rest of this class, include more Broncos, more AFC West, uh, more off-season grades for what is going to be an all-time year in the American Football Conference, and of course, you know, I, I joke about it, but we really will take lessons from this draft that we will be talking about for years going on. There's no better way to end this show than Justin waxing poetic about one of his Mountain West guys who actually might be one of the in- steals of the entire draft. So we're going to so end I it on this Dude, I mean, come on. It, 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 that's our guy. That's our guy. Sometimes <laughs> my brand. True to my brand. you need to open and close the ball with a little ISO ball from your star score. And that's, you know, when J Jay, when Jay Mike's on a heater, J Mike's on a heater, we just get out the way on that ISO ball. So this is the draft pod. We're going to be back next week and every week from now until the next draft, baby, more college football stuff. There's already early lines on the 2023 Uh, draft. These sickos and I will never run out of stuff to talk about. We appreciate you listening in. Have a glorious weekend. We'll be back soon.